We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. The redemptive plan of God in Christ. He was slain from the foundation of the world. He was born of a woman in due time. He lived under and fulfilled the law. He was crucified, died, and was buried, resurrected, and ascended. Paid the penalty in full for our sins and reconciled us to the Father. That's where we are now. If you're just joining us and you're serious about this series, please avail yourself of the recordings. They're online on SoundCloud. If you don't know, ask someone after the meeting who knows. Or just bring a flash drive and we'll copy them for you at no charge. Um, so that's, that's that. So he paid the penalty in full for all our sins and reconciled us to the Father. We've gone through all of that, so I will not bother to go through that again. I'll just continue right where we left off, picking from the synopsis. Is that okay? Okay. So his blood um, paid the price for our sins to God. We were bought with a price. I stopped last week short of going into the fact that Jesus became our great high priest and our perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 6. We did Hebrews 5, I believe. 5 to 10. So let's do Hebrews 6. I'll be very quick. I don't intend to teach long. I know I say that a lot. And Hebrews 6, 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So he is our high priest forever. The priesthood of Christ replaced every pre-existing priesthood. The priesthood came about with Aaron, who was of the tribe of Levi, along with Moses. So it's, again, it's interesting how you see Moses as a type of Christ. Because John says, let's go to John 1. So you can see it for yourself. Verse, um, trying to pick where to go. Uh, 16. John 1, 16. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Man, good news doesn't, doesn't stop. Keeps getting gooder. <laughs> <laughs> 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you see Moses being put in a dichotomy with Christ. Two mediators, two laws, two systems, two priesthoods. None of them coexisting, but the latter cancelling out the former. Otherwise, there will not be use of the word conjunction, but instead of. 
The law came through Moses. So Moses was a Levite, remember? His both parents were Levites from the same clan. Yeah? So, so Moses is of the tribe of Levi, as his Aaron, his brother. And here's why Moses is a type of Christ. The law comes through Moses. So Moses should have been the priest. But he wasn't. God tells him, that here's what I've done to you, Moses. I, I, I'm making you God. To Pharaoh. I'm now giving you a priest, Aaron, to be your prophet. So, so Moses was not a priest. He was an order from which a priesthood came. The law came through Moses. He was the conduit for the law. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Two systems. Two orders. Out of which came priesthoods. Are we together so far? Same page. So the law is received by Moses in tranches. Nigerians know the meaning of that word. Yeah? In tranches. In other words, the law wasn't released in one go. It was... Moses receives the law, but he wasn't the priest to administer the law. It was the order through which the law came. And God tells him, you are God. And then Aaron becomes your prophet. And then he becomes the lineage of the priesthood starts in Aaron. That is why Moses' rod never performed any public miracle. At the burning bush, his rod became a serpent. He picked it up, it became a rod. When they went to Pharaoh, it was Aaron's rod doing the business. Let me show you now. Exodus chapter 3. Skip it to 4. Because 3 was where the burning bush starts. 4. This is by the way. Exodus, maybe not by the way. Exodus 4.2. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent and Moses fled from it. And then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the Lord God of Abraham and the God of Isaac has appeared to you. Are we there? Okay. So we also skip to same chapter. Go to um, 14. Exodus 4.14. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, It's not Aaron the Levite your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do these signs. So they leave and they come into, um, 
Egypt and in chapter 5 of Exodus, verse 1. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. Nor will I let Israel go. Blah, blah, blah. They double the thing. That's not where the signs happen. They go to chapter 6. God is also reminding Moses that you should see what he will do to Pharaoh because he has hardened his hand when chapter 6 now actually go up to chapter 7. Chapter 7. Verse 8. Are we there? Exodus 7 and 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, Show a miracle for yourselves. Then you shall say to who? Take your and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and he became a serpent. Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt and they did in like manner with the enchantments where every man threw down his rod and they became Serpent, but not Moses' rod. In plain sight. Everybody has always thought Moses' rod, Moses' rod. Same chapter, verse 19. Exodus 7, 19. Stay with us. In this house, you will grow. You will see your Bible for what it really is. 719, then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, over all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitches of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, and the waters that were in the river turned to blood. And you go on and on and on. Chapter 8, verse 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And the frogs came out and covered the land. And it goes on and on and on and on. That is why it was not Moses' rod that budded. It was Aaron's rod that budded. That's why it was not Moses' rod in the Ark of Covenant. It was Aaron's rod in the Ark of Covenant. Moses was the order by which the law came. Aaron was the priesthood by which the law was enforced. So it was the Mosaic law as administered by the Aaronic priesthood. Or the Levitical priesthood, if you may. So you had an order. Moses was a type of God. Because God made him a God. And Aaron was the priesthood that enforced the order. And then God does away with that and God comes with a new order. 
Only God can bring the order. So only God can do away with the order. So he brings an order through Moses, administered through Aaron and his sons. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. He, again, God, brings a new order. This time, he is the mediator of the order. Not Moses, who was human, because that was a, an order that had transactions between God and man. Hence, the mediator was a man. And so God changes the order, and he brings Christ to mediate it. So it's not man mediating with God for man, as was the case with Moses. God will always tell Moses, shift out of the road. Let me kill all these people. You know God promised to make a nation out of only Moses? Don't ask me how God would have done it. How did Eve come? How did Eve come? So it wouldn't have been an impossible thing for God to start a new lineage through Moses. Every time, guess who kept atoning for the people? Moses. Guess what he paid the price with? Christ. God always saw sin with Israel. He was always ready to punish it. But there was always a man atoning. And Moses will, in Nigerian words, Moses will chance God. What would they say when they hear you brought them out of Egypt? You are now powerful enough to take them into the promised land. You don't kill them. What kind of God would that make you? And once he said that, he does this to God's hands. And God is like, well, you have a point there. <laughs> Mo, if not for you. <laughs> if not for you. And Moses stood in their place until he paid the price. He died. This is the promised land, or so you think. But he resurrected after he paid their price and showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration. So, So he didn't fail. Moses fulfilled destiny. Fail how? If he failed, how is he showing up with Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration and seeing the glory of Jesus? What do you believe? (laughs) It's a type of Christ. That's why you understand in scripture that there are natural things, naturally occurring things that are also symbolic in nature. Do you understand? There's a, there was a woman called Jezebel. And there is a spirit called Jezebel. The spirit called Jezebel doesn't mean that Jezebel Ahab's wife was a fiction or a figment of someone's imagination. No, there actually was a woman called Jezebel. And there is a spirit after the order of the woman. Do you understand? There was a city called Babylon. There is a system called Babylon. 
the system Babylon does not preclude the existence of a literal Babylon. We know where it is in Iraq, Mesopotamia. Do you understand? So there was a man called Moses. And there was a system called Moses. There was a man called Barabbas. And there was a system that he represented. That's why we are baptized into Christ. Not the physical man, but his system. System. So Moses died physically. God buried him. At least that's what you were told. More like God just extracted him. So he received the law. The priesthood came through him. And therefore, because he received it, he had to mediate. Right? His was a temporal priesthood. Aaron's sons start, Eleazar is Aaron's first son that takes over the priesthood from him. And then he starts to cascade all the way down the tribe of Levi, handling the priesthood, receiving the tithes, and paying a tithe of the tithe. Because Levites were qualified to receive tithe because they paid tithe. Malachi 3, this is for free. You have robbed me. And you say, how have we robbed you? And I say, in tithe and offering, was not talking to Israel. So everybody that quotes it to you for tithe and offering is the thief and the robber. Because Malachi 3 was speaking to the Levites about the portion of what they were receiving that they were not remitting to the temple. Malachi 3 was not to the church. They have robbed me. Test me now today therefore and see if I will not open the window of heaven. No, it was not talking to you. It was talking to Levites. Who were receiving what the people were bringing and not remitting to the temple what should be at the temple for meat to be in the house. A literal, physical house. For people to come and eat in time of need. So it was, it was the pastors that were robbing God like they are doing now. I'll read it. Now pick one verse. Read from Malachi 1. See who he's talking about. Who he's talking to. It's not you. It wasn't the church. It wasn't Israel. Because all they did was to bring theirs to the Levites. The Levites administered the different kinds of tithes. It wasn't one. So Levites received tithes. That was for free. Can I continue? <laughs> Levites received tithes because they paid tithes. That's why the writer of Hebrews, Paul, as far as I'm concerned, argues, because it couldn't be anybody else. Anyway, anyway yeah. Argues that Levi paid tithes in Abraham. That's what qualified them to receive tithes. So the Levitical priesthood was from Aaron and his sons. Cascading down. We have a problem with old school religion people because it says that that order was supposed to be forever. And we don't understand the word forever in scripture. Um, it doesn't mean that it's eternal. There's a difference between forever and eternal. 
forever in scripture, in most contexts, applies to as long as it lasts for its purpose to be fulfilled. So you have old school religion people telling us that no, but the Bible says that this ordinance should last forever. Means that it is in force till today. Oh no. Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In other words, I came to leave out the law until it is fully fulfilled in me. So the entirety of forever culminated in Christ. It's not as though after Christ, you can still continue your forever. Christ is the end of forever. And the beginning of eternity. Of eternal life. Do you understand that? So when he said, Christ, um, the the ordinance, the, the, the priesthood remain with Aaron and his sons forever. Yeah, it has been fulfilled. Christ now, forever, let's see how it ends. Because he can't. Why? There is no order after Christ. So no order will come that will dethrone his order. Does that make sense? So he redefines it. He then comes, changes the order. Hebrews 7. Without... Of a necessity, with a change of priesthood comes a change of law. Grace and truth is the new order. Yes? And that comes through Jesus. Who is then mandated to be the new high priest. So he again is the enforcer of the new order. Make sense? So whatever Jesus says in this new order goes. Whatever Aaron said in this old order went. If the Levite said to you, you are sanctified, you were sanctified. If they said you were with fault, you were with fault. If they said you died, you died. Order changed, new priest comes. And he says, now you have my life, you cannot die. If you believed Moses and disbelieved Christ, you are a fraud. That's what the Jews struggled with. They believed Moses so much that they couldn't comprehend Jesus. But he came and changed the priesthood. They they struggled with him because he wasn't a Levite. He wasn't from the Levitical priesthood. He wasn't from a tribe that produced priests. He wasn't even born of noble birth. He was born in a feeding pan. He didn't look like a priest. How much more high priest. How much more one who could forgive their sins. He will now stand and say, before Abraham was... He didn't say he was. Don't insult him. He said, I am. I am means I never started. Abraham met me in this business. Before Abraham was, I am. 
Your father Abraham longed to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. Father Abraham, if you want to die now, go to a Jew and insult Abraham. See what will happen to you and your entire family right now. That's their father. The first Jew. The word Jew means one who crossed over. Jew means crossover. Hebrew. And Abraham, 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 Abraham was a Gentile. Who was called out of his father's house. Come out of there. To a land I will show. He came out, crossed over, came into the land of Canaan and became the first Hebrew. That's why he's called, he's called Abraham the Hebrew. Abraham the first new commonwealth citizen to cross over. Are you being schooled? You now come and tell a Jew that your forefathers, like telling a Yoruba man that Odudua Shango long to see my day. They saw it and they were glad. So you can imagine how easy it was for them to keep trying to pick up stones to stone Jesus. He was so annoying. It was so annoying. That's why I put on Facebook yesterday. I said, I, 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 I'm sorry if our preaching of the truth has not yet offended some of you. Be patient. We will get to you soon. Yeah. Be patient. You haven't been offended yet. No, we're coming. Because he was called the rock of offense. Jesus. Was called a stumbling block. So when you preach stumbling block and pray stumbling block, you are saying the wrong thing. Because in the Bible, stumbling block was Jesus. So careful what you're praying. <laughs> so by the time you're praying to remove... <laughs> you're trying to remove Jesus in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you see religion? See why I say, it's, it's, listen, it will take us a long time. Oh. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's deep. It will take a long time to unwind religion. So you, so you have to stop fighting it. Oh. Do you understand? By now you should just know that. You know what? Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. Just Because he was called the stumbling block. To the Jews. He was called the rock of offense. He was called foolishness to the Gentiles. Jesus. So you call us foolish, join the queue. You call us offensive, join the queue. For truth. Yeah. So he comes and whatever he says goes. He says, God, by virtue of the covenant I have with you, which I'm also mediating, not a man now, I reckon her to be righteous. If I reckon her to be righteous, she's righteous. If she's righteous, then I see her as righteous. And that goes. And that is not going to change because it's an everlasting priesthood. Amen. Let's finish this. Hebrews 9. Hebrews is the book of the priesthood, yeah? You should know that by now. Hebrews. Chapter 9 of Hebrews. 
11, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and perfect tabernacle not made with hands. So he doesn't dwell in buildings. Cathedral, sanctuary, temple, synagogue, kovun. <laughs> he, he doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands. That is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats or calves, but with his own blood. He, with his own blood. He was the sacrifice, he was the priest. Entered the most holy place. How many times? For all. Having obtained temporal redemption. Conditional redemption. Eternal. Deal with it. You see why I said that you cannot do anything about it? Is it is a one-way ticket? Eternal redemption. 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, that's a female cow, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. So God paid the sacrifice to God. You see that? The price for your sins was not paid to the devil. God paid it to God through the eternal spirit. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, not the spirit, he that raised up Christ will cook in you. That's another, that's another scripture we misquote. It says, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, God will quicken you by that spirit. The subject was God. By the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. Let's see it. Romans 8. We can't rush this teaching of the word, you know. There's too much to show. These digressions help you, don't they? Romans 8. 11. Are we there? Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him, who is him? God. Because God raised him up from the dead, right? If the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, God who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the A prophet preached recently that Jesus for 30 years could not do anything on the earth. He was powerless until he met John and was baptized. He now heard the voice of God. When he now heard the voice of God, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Then he now launched out. Every anointing needs an anointing to launch out. That was the message. Jesus was powerless for 30 years. Couldn't do anything until he met John. And John launched him 
into ministry. Some of you have heard this thing before. Somebody can come and preach that Jesus was powerless. When he starts by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him, the word was life. And that life is the light of men. That light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. All of this happened from eternity before the word became flesh. And you tell me he was powerless until John who baptized for repentance that Jesus did not need. But was only baptized that righteousness according to the law might be fulfilled. So if we don't launch you into ministry, you cannot succeed. Jesus could not do anything. He didn't work any miracle. As soon as he came out, Jesus was not anointed to work miracles. He was anointed and worked miracles. You understand the difference? How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost of power. Who went about doing good? Why was he anointed with the Holy Ghost? Because that was the only quickening agent by which he could be brought back to life. (laughs) Because he was the quickening. You put your car, your key in an ignition. And you turn it and you expect the car to respond because there's spark plugs covered by nozzles that generate a spark, fuel burns in it, and it combusts the engine and the engine can start. Yeah. It's not the Kickstarter by itself doing the work. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So without the Holy Spirit inside the bodily Jesus, he could not have been brought back to life. Because there's no ingredient it's a spirit thing. It's not flesh. Okay. So how will he ha- his body have been quickened and brought back to life? With no ingredient of life inside the dead body. That's why the Holy Ghost cannot leave you because you sinned. Because if he leaves you, there's no way that God can kickstart your life again. Yeah. He's the quickening agent. Do you understand it? That's why he's the deposit, the guarantee. Anything God wants to do with you, the Holy Spirit is there to kickstart it. So he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So that when he died, and it was time to be resurrected, who was resurrected? The Spirit, Jesus. Not the body Jesus that died. But the Spirit, Jesus, who had been deposited inside the body Jesus by the anointing. The word give life to his opoio. Quicken. Energize. Your mortal body. So if the spirit of God by which Christ was raised is in you, it means that at any point in your life you can be raised. That's the, that's the translation. At any point in your life you can be kickstarted. So you don't need revival. What are we reviving? Holy Spirit needs to be revived. (laughs) So that Spirit dwells in you. It's the guarantee that everything God did in Christ will always be appropriated in your life forever. 
That's the priesthood of Jesus. So he's the priest. He's the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit. Did you get that? Let's finish Hebrews. Nine. So it looks like I can't finish this today. So they might, they, I can smell a part 10 C. <laughs> 14. So you understand the eternal spirit now? How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit can you appreciate that better now? Offered himself without spot to God. How much more can he cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Jesus entered the holy place by his blood. He obtained eternal redemption. He cleansed our consciences from dead works. He mediated a new covenant and then he gave us the promise of eternal life. So we are bought with a price. God negotiated with God, arrived at a price, and then paid the price to God in full, and then overpaid. So no sin in the world can overspend the price that was paid. No sin can over, the overpayment is so over that it cannot be quantified. So if you said the worst statistics of, of population is 6.79 billion and then an extra 1 billion were born tomorrow, the, the price covered them. Hello? Before you got saved, your sins were forgiven. After you got saved, your sins will not be forgiven. Who is still here? He paid the price with his blood. I'll show you this. Leviticus 17. Mm, let's go back there. Leviticus 17. Verse 10 to 14. I'll read very quickly. Leviticus 17, 10 to 14. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. 10 to 14. Whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life, am I still on? For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, no one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you, who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. For again, for it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in its blood. Whoever eats shall be caught off. Hebrews 
Before we go to Hebrews 13, look up for a minute. So the life of a person is in his blood. If you spilled blood, you spilled life. So Jesus giving up his blood and Jesus giving up himself are one and the same. Do you understand? Because the life of a person is blood. So if he gave his blood, he gave his life. If he gave, if blood is for atonement, as we saw there, then life is for atonement. So he gave his blood, he gave his life. Life equals blood, blood equals life, life equals atonement, atonement equals blood. Make sense? So he gave his blood. And that's why he told them not to eat blood. Because the blood was loading. I showed you last week about how he kept access to the way because the way was loading. So he stopped them or prohibited the eating of blood because at that time they were eating or they would have been eating life that was not, that did not have the capacity to give life. Do you understand? They would have been eating lifeless life. And he had already loaded blood to come that in eating they would have life. So he comes in John 6 and he says, eat my flesh. Drink my blood, and that way you have what? Don't eat flesh uncooked. Don't drink blood. Don't eat anything with blood. Because the real one you will eat and drink is coming. This one won't help you. It can't help you. It has no life in it because it can't take away sin. But it was a symbol, a natural thing. Don't do this literally. But not for its literal value or, or lack of value, but for what it symbolized that was coming. Don't eat blood because the blood you will eat and have life is coming. This one has no life. But if, this will help you to understand what life means when life comes. This will help you appreciate what blood can do when blood comes. So now that that blood has come, Colossians 2, the reality, types and shadows, I'm going to do bye-bye. We're no longer under types and shadows. So a prophet that tells you now to bring blood when you're coming for service is an occultist. To bring water so we can bless it, it's an occultist. Because you, you, you have been baptized and not with water. Water poured from his side. That's all the water you need for cleansing. The one that poured from his side. We're not adding any water to it. <laughs> We're about to the prize. Hebrews 13. I got to finish this. It's time to close. 13, 11, and 12. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp, referring to Leviticus. Therefore, following that order, 12, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered where? So they would take that blood and go and bleed it outside the camp. Excess blood. And when it was time for Jesus to be offered as a sacrifice, 
they made sure he was not killed inside the term, inside the city, but they took him outside the gate. First Peter one, few pages forward in your physical Bible. First Peter one eighteen to nineteen. First Peter one. 18 to 19, are we there? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold. Knowing that you were not redeemed with seed sown. Knowing, let me rephrase. Knowing that you have been redeemed, not with corruptible things. Do you understand it now? Like silver or gold. Or from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. I will take it again. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But we have been redeemed. Which other redemption are you trying to pay for? He paid the price. With his own blood. I, this is why I'm ending. I'm, I'm done actually. I'm not done so badly. I want to say something very, very heavy now. Men. Please give me your maximum attention. The last five, ten minutes. The blood of Christ did not pay for anything else other than your sin. The blood of Jesus did not pay for your healing. The blood of Jesus did not pay for your prosperity. The blood of Jesus did not pay for your protection. You are pleading the blood. The blood of Jesus did not pay for your favor. The blood of Jesus did not pay for your blessing. Only the priest of the new order of Melchizedek has the power to apply his blood. To atone for you. You can't atone for yourself. He applied it once and for all. As payment for one thing. Sin. I can't go with the blood. Me, I can't carry the blood of God and go now and say, Father, I sinned though. But I came with small blood of Jesus. So please use this blood to now wash me. What's that? He applied it, his blood, once and for all. The blood is no longer being applied. It is fresh eternally. (laughs) It is fresh eternally. 
It doesn't need top up. And only Jesus can apply it. He was the only one that went in on our behalf. We all now go now for ourselves. Not on behalf of anybody including us. I can't even atone for myself. How much more for you? Do you understand? A prophet will stand and say, well, I come as the, as your advocate. The devil is a liar. A man coming as your advocate, even if he died, his blood is unacceptable. Even if I died for you now, my blood doesn't count for you. I can't atone for myself. How much more you? Only he can atone. Because it's a God-God transaction. So you can't plead the blood as you're going for a job interview. You can't cover your contract with the blood. You can't cover your relationship with the blood. You can't sprinkle, immerse, apply, soak. You can't do, right now, you cannot do anything with the blood. All you can do is buy the blood. And the one thing you can do by the blood is to come. Boldly. The one thing you can do by the blood that you can do is to come by the blood. You can't do anything with the blood. Only Jesus can do stuff with the blood. And he has did it. <laughs> when he said it is finished, he didn't leave any part left for you. Yes. Yes. So we have people telling you, they, they teach you the mysteries of the blood. The 19 different mysteries. There's no mystery in the blood. There was a sin problem. Only the blood takes care of sin. He shed his blood, paid the price for sin. Now there is no sin problem. So you can't do anything with the blood. As I'm going out, the blood, the blood is not a talisman. It's not a talisman. Yes. It's not a talisman. You can't use it for protection. You can't. Because God has never stopped protecting you. If God only protects believers, unbelievers should have all been dead by now. Dangote should, should not be alive. And they don't plead the blood. They don't plead the blood. They have prayed and prayed and prayed. Buhari has refused to die. You use blood to kill him, it didn't work. You use blood to cover him. People have enjoyed the benefits of being under God, irrespective of the blood. You cannot use the blood to try and achieve what people are achieving without it. It's clear that that's not what the blood was meant for. It's not. It's not. The blood was a payment for sin. 
One person could apply it. He already did. This is all the mystery you need to know about the blood. Blood answers, sin answers to blood. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice by his blood. He was the priest that offered the sacrifice. So now the blood has taken care of sin. And it was done once and for all. That's why I told you in this house that when you take communion, it doesn't do anything for you. I read it, 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, this communion. Purify yourself. If it is unworthily, you are going to die. What does unworthily mean? You have sin in your heart. Secret sin. Lie. Unworthily means you were fighting over the food. First Corinthians 11. You were getting drunk over the blood. And in doing that, you lost sight of the reason why you were partaking of it. The remembrance of him. And because you are doing that, you are losing sight of what, what he did can do for you. So you die in your sickness. Not that communion was killing you. He died, shed his blood to save you. Then you now ate the blood and the blood killed you. How can you eat life and die? The next question, and I'm ending with this, is there is now, what then secures my healing? What then secures my protection? What then secures my favor? What then secures my access? Access. These are all benefits of sonship. Not results of the blood. Because my sin is taken care of, I have access. And because I have access, I have favor. Because my sin is taken care of, I, I, I come before he who has paid for my sickness with his stripes. But the blood, its purpose, my sin. Leave everything else out. And check your Bible. Leave everything else out. Sin. But I can come boldly and say, God, I thank you as I go out, I have favor on this job. Leave the blood out. Just speak about it on account of the blood that has taken care of your sin that then guarantees that God hears you. And if he hears you, you have. First John 5.14 If he hears you, he doesn't even answer. Father, I'm waiting for an answer to my prayer. Where have you seen it in your Bible? This is the confidence we have that when we pray that he hears. And if he hears, you have. God answer my prayer. God answer my, no. Has God heard if he has heard, you have have. <laughs> and how do you know that he hears? When you come boldly by the access, the blood guarantees you. Not when you feel like, oh, I had a release in my spirit. That's nonsense. We don't pray for release now. We don't pray till we get peace. We just be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, make a request known. Full stop. 
Don't pray till you have release. How do you know he's the man for you? I prayed, I felt peace. It wind just blew. Everything else we enjoy is a result. Holy Spirit, help me. I want to close. You know I'm trying to close. Everything else that we enjoy is a result of being reconciled to God. The healing, the contract, the write it down. Everything else you enjoy on the earth is a result of you being reconciled to God. So all the blood did was to guarantee your reconciliation. Ah, Holy Spirit. I got to close this. Seek you first. The kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33. And all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Who is the kingdom of God? Who is the righteousness of God? I'll take it again. Seek you first the kingdom of God. The basilia of God. And all its righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Who is the kingdom of God? Who is the righteousness of God? What was Jesus saying? Find me, find all these things. I am the kingdom. Jesus, when will you bring the kingdom? "Ah, The kingdom is already within you. Who is the kingdom? Christ. Who is the righteousness of God? Christ. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin, that you can become God's righteousness in Christ. So who is the righteousness of God? Christ. God, who has now become for you in Christ, your, the wisdom of God, that is sanctification, purification, and righteousness. So seek you first, Christ, and the nature of Christ. And all these things I've added to you. For your heavenly father knows you have need of this. All you need is access. And what the blood paid for was access. Romans 8.32, open it in your Bible. So much for not teaching long. Romans 8.32. 31. For what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. All things. So Jesus did it once and for all. And therefore, God by Christ's sacrifice discharged us of all wrongdoing and made us a new species after the order of Christ, who is the second and the last Adam. Three points. The singular act of Christ's sacrifice, one, justified us who believe. It justified us who believe. Romans 4, 25. Romans 5, 1. Romans 4, 25. Romans 5, 1. It justified us who believe. Romans 4, 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have peace because we have been justified by faith. 
Romans 4.25, Romans 5.1, his singular act just of sacrifice justified us who believe. Two, it reconciled us to the Father. Second Corinthians 5.17, you know that one, right? That's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. It reconciled us to the Father. There is no beef between God and I. Isn't that good news? There is no beef between God and I. Therefore, as everyone being in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Third and last thing. It made us righteous before God and blameless. It made us righteous and blameless. Same 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Again, a scripture that in this house you know very well. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. When we did the, the great exchange, I told you that to be justified means to be just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I had never done wrong. I'm justified. I'm just as if I'd never fallen. When I'm justified, he sees me just as if I'd never done that abortion. I'm, I'm justified by the blood. He sees me just as if I had never been a cult guy. Uh, he sees me just as if I had never been out of grace. That's what it means to be justified. He sees you just as if I had never done anything wrong. The price is paid in full. Our redemption is complete. Our sanctification is progressional. But our redemption... It's complete. The price is paid. All of it. Can we give God praise? I know it's heavy, but give Him praise. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.